0: the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word may expound it in our hearts uh, this day as we discuss it together. So, let's start with this day of Pentecost. Um, yeah, what exactly happens? Let's, let's sort of try to... Uh, Luke goes into great detail about um, capturing the sensory aspects of this particular moment. Um, So, yeah, what, what do we see happening on this day of Pentecost? What is Luke emphasizing about this moment where God pours out the Holy Spirit upon his disciples? Yeah, Teresa. Yeah, so they're all, first of all, they're all gathered together, which is, you know, as we saw them uh, at the end of chapter one, um, that these these 120 uh, disciples of Christ had continually devoted themselves to prayer and fellowship with one another as they awaited the promise coming of the Holy Spirit and while they're all gathered together you know first as you say there's this audible aspect you know, like and and notice it's it's a sound like a mighty rushing wind like you know <laughs> language is is failing Luke a little bit in trying to capture what's happening here like you know, it, it sounded like this roaring, He doesn't say it was a roaring wind, but it's, it had that sound, like, you know, the way the wind shakes my house. <laughs> like when we have those heavy, heavy wind, like, you know, but it's that noise, and sometimes I'll hear that, the sound, and like, so it's like a mighty wind. Yeah, like he might use something else, but he's trying, like, it was a loud noise <laughs> in a uh and again in, and he, he's clear about it's it's the direction of it is it's coming from heaven, so this loud noise like a loud wind coming from heaven, um, filling the entire house, so I mean again, it's like the sound is filling the space they're in um, uh. <laughs> Or, yeah, or, like, imagine, like, uh, I've thankfully never experienced a tornado. I've been close twice. Um, but, you know, like, to have that sound, like, fill the entire space you're in, like, you know, revertebrate, like, you know, it's the sound that's shaking it. It's not just the wind's physical motion shaking it, but, like, think of those moments where something happens so loud that, like, you know, the sound that's shaking it um, it's that kind of yeah idea um, good, so what else so we've got this it's it's loud <laughs> it's supernatural clearly it's supernatural, and as we think about the sound and the phrasing like a rushing wind is something we often see in the Old Testament accompanying appearances of God like when so when God appears like that you know, you get the same description, it's, uh, like, like a wind, like, think of that, the psalm that describes God's coming into Israel, and it's like a storm, like, David likens it to a storm that's coming in, and it's shattering, you know, the forest before it, you know, like this, you know, rushing wind, and that's often accompanies, um, when God, you know, appears, like, Job, this similar kind of thing, like, it's, So it's not just a sound from God, but it's a sign that God is present here. And as we think of the spirit, um, this is an appearance of God. This is the spirit being made tangibly manifest to God's people at this moment. And the spirit is God, just as uh, the father and the son is God. So this is um, not just from God. This is God's appearing. And these kinds of tangible effects are signs of that um, that appearance <laughs> well, audible, tangible because they can see it uh, yeah there there are again it's multisensory manifestations of the presence of God, like <laughs> and again. W- we should having read the old you know familiar with the old testament this is what happens when god appears there's a sound and light show like think of ezekiel like you know it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing um, and and ezekiel's like the same way he's he's using like a lot because he can't exactly capture it but it's pretty astounding um so you know so you have these you know, the audible aspects, the visible aspects, um, divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Um, and then you have this other auditory aspect, you know, they start, you know, being filled with the spirit means they're, they're I, and I love the tongues of spirit rest upon them and suddenly their tongues, <laughs> you know, he's, I think Luke is, you know, intentionally using a word play here, these things, like tongues of fire, show up on their head, and suddenly their tongues are unleashed and speak, um, uh, and, and speak in other tongues. Like you know, they are proclaiming the gospel, or as the crowd captures it, um, you know how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So, you know, what does the Spirit do um, immediately at this moment? It, it comes upon the church, it opens their mouths to declare the mighty works of God. Battle. Hmm? Undoes battle. And undoes battle. Um, Yeah, that, you know, this thing that has kept, and, and to think about language being the barrier that's kept people. From God. Now er, you know, that is undone. Um, everybody, uh, you know, this moment is is starting to roll back the effects of the curse of sin. Um, this is the kingdom of God being established, and and that kingdom is going to do the effects of human sinfulness, which has divided people from one another. And now they're gonna be brought together not in a national unity or polity, but as this community of believers united by their belief in Jesus Christ. Good. Anything else we want to say about uh, this moment um, of of Pentecost? It drew a crowd. Um, And actually, there... Um, I mean, I don't know how, yeah, how much of this matters. Like, some people emphasize, it's not so much the sound of the wind that draws the crowd, but the sound of these people. (laughs) Like, because that's what, you know, like, the crowd that assembles doesn't comment on, you know, the other stuff. They comment on, how is it that we're, you know, hearing this proclamation? So, um... And again, I I don't think we have to, yeah. The crowd draw as symbols, you know, because they've heard it. You know, is it because they heard the loud sound of the rushing wind or have they heard the, you know, 120 people speaking? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, it's like something amazing is happening, and they hear and gather. So it, it's um, it, it's really interesting how, like, they've been in, uh, they were all together in one place, um, and the word for place there is one house, so they're in a house. So it starts, they're inside in this one, you know, room together, and so what is a Private gathering of the followers of Jesus Christ suddenly becomes this public event for the proclamation of the of, of, of who Jesus Christ is, um, like you know, it, the phenomenon of the Spirit. And again, th- that's the point. The Spirit um, is uh, the way J.I. Packer describes it the Spirit's job is to draw attention to Jesus Christ. The Spirit is a spotlight, and that spotlight shines on Christ. So, the Spirit does amazing things in this particular moment, but the purpose of those amazing things are to proclaim the mighty works of Jesus Christ, um, as we'll see in in Peter's sermon at this moment. Um, So, um, as we look at this this um, intro part, um, one of the things that Luke is emphasizing, um, and just by going into such detail about it, um, the global audience that's present in Jerusalem at that day. And Pentecost was one of the festivals that involved pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So that's part of the reason, you know, the day of Pentecost helps to explain why there is this uh, international gathering of, of, of Jewish believers at that moment. Um, um, they're in Jerusalem. So we don't know what, particularly what house. Um, some people say they're gathered at the temple, but Luke uses a different word when he says the temple's the house of God. He uses a different word for house. But yeah, it, it's gotta be a fairly 120 people are gathered together, um, so um, most people assume it's one of the larger houses um, in the wealthier neighborhood located in the center of Jerusalem. So they're, they're close to the center of Jerusalem and near enough the temple and places where people would be gathered for this pilgrimage that they're gonna draw a, a large crowd um, pretty quickly um, but we don 't you know it, you know he just tells us in in one place like he doesn 't give us street address or <laughs> um, they 're gathered in a a large home um or a large room in a home um and you know again the this quickly becomes a public event um and the i it sounds like you know they don 't stay in the house like you know. Like the spirit, and again, and that's what the spirit does. The spirit is energizing them to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, you know, and it's the spirit that's going to take them out, um, you know, out into Jerusalem, out into Judea, out into Samaria, out to the ends of the earth. Um, but it's interesting at this moment, even when it's starting, they've got a global audience, um, you know, people from... A, and this catalog, it kind of moves from um, east to west, like this kind of sweep across the Mediterranean world. And it's the kind of whole scope of their known world. Um, and that's what the, you know, Acts is going to describe, the gospel going out to all these places. But at the moment, the, you know, the day one, there are people from all those places where the gospel is going to go to Present And hearing it You know on this You know on this day the, Of Pentecost which is pretty Yeah Pretty amazing to think about like You know and it's, it's Signaling you know God's intention to bring this m- Message of Jesus To the ends of the earth again as he Said in, in verse Eight of chapter one you know So that you know My witness will go forward Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and we see that, you know, at this on this day of Pentecost. Um, I think I mean a good question. Uh, I'm going to say the the way I interpret is that's the subject of Peter's sermon. So the mighty works of God are, you know, that's what Peter. You know, we get the, the, they're all proclaiming it, and then Peter's going to give the, you know, his one speech is recorded. So if we take Peter's speech as the, um, as uh, typical or typifying the content of what the mighty works of God, then as we go through this speech he's going to give, you know, um, we'll see what those works are. But that's a good question, and, and maybe that's a good segue into this next section. So section one is, you know, the uh, what happens when the Spirit's poured out. Um, the second sep- section is Peter's speech explaining what's going on um, and how, yeah, how he's relating this mighty, you know, the mighty works of God from the falling of the Spirit to... <laughs> to what just had transpired in Jerusalem through um the ministry death resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. <laughs> And that, that um, there will be, and, and this will be a, one of Luke's continued themes, that, you know, even as the cro- church grows, opposition to the church grows as well. Um, from the first moment that this happens, not everyone there that day is, you know, awed and astounded in wonder. Others are mocking and jeering and saying, ah, these guys, they're just drunk, you know, like, just as Paul says, like it's going to be wisdom to some and it's going to be complete foolishness to others. Yeah, that he's had sources and this is, you know, and again, kind of think of, um, like, uh, trying to think, I I've done a lot of work on George Whitfield, and like you, um, and y- you'll you'll hear stories of like Whitfield uh, attracted a crowd of twenty thousand people in Boston when the population of Boston was twelve thousand. Um, but you know descriptions of people from all like coming from Sudbury and Concord or going into Boston to hear them and at those crowds, you know, the descriptions, you've got people there who are enthralled by the gospel message, but you also got people there hawking <laughs> like you know, you kind of think of hawking t-shirts, and they weren't hawking t-shirts, but like selling stuff, uh, other people mocking, you know, particularly when you get uh, descriptions of Whitfield preaching in London, people are throwing rocks and jeering at them and you know, trying to disrupt. And it's the same idea. You know, you have someone in a very public place, an enormous, unbelievable crowd has gathered, and some are there and are giving attention to being what's said, and other people are mocking and dismissive, you know, and, and are jeering. And you know, again, from day one, we see not just this mighty proclamation of the gospel. But we also see that there are going to be those who don't hear, don't listen, who are going to increasingly, as we go through the Book of Acts, oppose this message. All right. Well, let's. Um, uh, I can't believe it's already <laughs> almost quarter after. Um, but uh, what what would you say is the main point of Peter's sermon? Or yeah, what is how does he account for what's going on that day? Proclaims at this moment, so he's got his audience okay yeah so you know and so um, if we kind of it's it's a three point sermon <laughs> um, the first point focuses on the appearance of the spirit, so you know he, he he's giving account to what the day's events, but the point of those day's events are to point to uh, to you know Rob said, like, to emphasize the truth of the resurrection. That's what the spirit, like, again, it's the spirit um, isn't the, um, the appearance of the spirit isn't um, self-referential. Uh, the appearance of the spirit is to point to the, the, the reality of the resurrected, ascended Christ. Um, so, alright, so it's a a sermon focused on the resurrection um, or resurrection slash ascension because they're pretty tightly held together. Um, Or we could say like point two focuses on the resurrection, point three focuses on the ascension. If you look at the kind of, so biblical passage one from Joel is all about the outpouring of the spirit. Biblical passage two is about resurrection of the body and not seeing corruption in hades biblical passage number three from another psalm um, focuses on um, uh, the son of david or my lord (laughs) Um, it said to my Lord, the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand so that you know this ascended christ will be in a position of authority at the right hand of god yeah andre I would say so I, I think the the sermon definitely has this pattern of prophecy and fulfillment so I think the prophecy from Joel um, maybe the way to think of it it's the fulfillment starts today um, you know that and and the part you see starting that day is the spirit falling upon people and the you know the prophecy going forth and and, and what Peter's doing here is, is prophesying, like he's truth-telling. Like, and that's, um, if we assume, um, again, you get debates over this, um, was it just the 12 that have been speaking in these tongues and, and proclaiming, or was it all 120? Because we know if it was all 120, um, as we saw uh, back in chapter 1, all these with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and brothers. So we know that, you know, that 120 included women. Um, and part of that prophecy of Joel is the uh, ubiquity of the spirit, you know, um, you know uh, of the spirit enabling prophecy that everyone's tongue is unleashed doesn't matter their their sex, it doesn't matter their age, it doesn't matter their status, you know, it's servants as well as, <laughs> uh, it's everybody um, is going to be empowered by the spirit. So, so I would say, um, for me as I read it, that's what's being fulfilled at this moment, but as that prophecy and Joel said, in the last days, plural, it's like this isn't it. <laughs> Um, but this is the beginning of it. Like, and you know, that we're in the last days now. This is the inauguration of the last days. So there's a now and not yet in that fulfillment. But I would definitely say, um, at least the way I'm interpreting it, because um, the, f- he, the, the sermon as a whole is giving prophecy and, and fulfillment. Um, so what you see now is the words of the prophet being fulfilled. Not yet completely, but it's you know like this is the start of the last days. So we don't get the these other things like you know the sun being turned to darkness, the moon to blood. That stuff uh, is part of the final judgment. But the reason he's quoting it in, it in its entirety is these last words, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the Spirit has been poured out. The judgment is coming. The only way you can escape this coming judgment is to call upon the name of the Lord. And calling upon the name of the wor- Lord is, is one of the New Testament phrases to, you know, um, to profess belief. Um, you know, is to, to believe on Jesus Christ, which is the rest point of the rest of this sermon. Like, <laughs> you know, um, Believe on the name of the Lord, and who is the Lord? He is the resurrected, ascended Christ. Um, And when they hear this message, they're like, what should we do? Um, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, So, um, you know, it's this picture of, like of these are they're helping them see um the Old Testament and the new realities of the resurrected and ascended Christ um you know they're not and I love how he's not going into details about Christ's life and ministry at this moment, like you know he uh this Jesus. <laughs> Uh, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, like you know he 's not detailing what Jesus did at this moment to this audience he 's detailing how what Jesus did fulfills what God said um, in the Old Testament this Christ would do you know he's he 's using he 's pointing to the reality of, um, of who Christ is. And, and, you know, he's being pretty, uh, as much as he can without being blasphemous to this audience, he's declaring that Jesus is God. Like, you know, he's both Lord and Christ. You know, he, he's Lord being that shorthand for, or, or way of not saying the divine name. Um, yeah, Jay. Yeah, 50 days earlier. Yeah, and even these newcomers, these people who've shown up um, for the festival of the Pentecost, who maybe haven't been in town, they know. <laughs> it's, yeah, you're absolutely, I mean, and again, even more so, and Word of mouth, This would be the news everybody would be talking about. And so, yeah, so Peter is, this is the current event. Let me tell you about what the current event really means. Um, and what it really means is that this guy, who you're responsible for killing, you killed according to the plan and foreknowledge of God, because, you know, as, as God prophesied to David, you know, he was going to raise the body of this man, um, this individual, in this historic moment of time. Not someday in the future get a raised body, but in time, his body would not see corruption. And not only that, that this man whom you killed, <laughs> God has vindicated by setting him at His right hand. Um, so, um, y- yeah, and the inclusiveness of the you. And, uh, you know, I, I like that. Like, you know, it's, you're responsible um, uh, for killing this man, but God has vindicated him. Um, and it's an inclusive you. Like, I, mean, uh, I, I think I've said this before. I like the liturgies that make you um, say crucify him, crucify him, you know, on Good Friday because... That's the point. (laughs) If you were there, that's what you would be shouting. You'd be shouting it too. um, That, you you know, that uh, you would, the responsibility for his death is equally born. Um, And yet he's offering salvation to you. The purpose of his giving his life. Um, It it wasn't you took it. (laughs) Uh, He offered it according to his plan to deliver you from sin and coming judgment. Good. Other things we want to say about the the sermon? And just so you know, it's, it's probably a summary of everything that, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so don't don't say, well, look, Peter's sermon's only about two and a half minutes, so you know, like. <laughs> he's probably summarizing a longer sermon. But you know, if you look at it as the scaffolding, um, you know, of that sermon, uh, Old Testament prophecy fulfilled in Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And this is the, again, this is the, cause the, the content. Like, you know, to sort of think of that moment. Like, now, because of the Spirit, they're able to hear and respond to the work of Jesus Christ. Um, that this message is going forth, and it's going forth, you know, with power. Um, you know, like, uh, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified, and that is producing this immediate response. What shall we do? Um, you know, and, and that that should be the intention of preaching is to produce that response uh, in, in unbelievers. What shall we do? Um. Uh. Yeah. What? No. Um. No. Go ahead. Yeah, and the ability to proclaim and like, you know, to, to bring witness. And it's not like um, what I love about the sermon is that he, he's not bringing new information. Like he's prophesying, but he's not prophesying in the sense of saying something that um, is completely, you know, giving completely new words from God. He's prophesying by taking the message they already have. They know Joel. They know the Psalms. Um, but they know the events that have just taken place and, and connecting those things. Like what has happened in your present is explained you know, ahead of time by the prophecy of God. What God has foretold has come to pass in your midst. This Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised. You know, and that, what a powerful message that is. He's, he's not having to, like, come up with something, again, create something new. <laughs> he's taking the old scriptures and applying them to their current situation to help them see what these events mean. Um, which, to go to your earlier question, these, I think this is the mighty works of, of God. You know, like, all the mighty things that God did to attest to Jesus's identity in his life And even furthermore, by raising them from the dead and and ascending him into heaven. Um, I I think I'm going to leave, since we're almost to 1030, I'm going to leave the Fellowship of the Believers to next week um, because it fits. But um, we can start a little bit into it today. So what strikes you about um, the, the people's reaction to hearing this message? Yeah, and the emphasis is on this community of believers. Like, um, and it's not, even though individuals are being converted, um, Luke's focus is on, you know, the effects of the spirit in creating this community of believers that are characterized by, one, response to the gospel. You know, they heard the gospel message and they responded to it, um, and uh, were baptized, underwent baptism, um, and, and then, you know, they didn't do that, and I'm like, all right, I'm covered now, <laughs> like, it led to change in their life, and connections to one another, you know, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, like, Again, that being together, like, you know, by being united to Christ by the gift of the spirit, they're also united to one another. So that means they're not just devoted to the apostles teaching to learn more about Christ. They're also devoted to each other in a sacrificial kind of way that they're willing to give up their substance in order to support the needs of others in this community. Um, that, you know, their response involves not just, again, kind of cognitive, yes, I believe Jesus is, is Lord in Christ, but it's also, you know, tangible. Like, And because I believe that, you know, I don't have to worry as much about material possessions. I can freely give of my material possessions to help support others who believe in Jesus um, so um, yeah I, you know it's a, and we'll see like um, this kind of initial impetus um, is going to be hard to sustain <laughs> um, like again I, I kind of like that Matthew is, is preaching through um, you know first Corinthians the same time we're going to be going through acts cause, so we'll see like because we could sometimes come to the early church and have this kind of idealistic vision Like, that's the way it was, the good old days. (laughs) And like, well, you know, that was the way it's supposed to be, but we're still inhabiting a sinful world, and we'll see that, you know, um, uh, that people have a difficult time living up um, or sustaining what this community is supposed to look like um, for a variety of reasons. Yeah, Julia, you It involves it involves a tremendous amount of trust, like, um, and uh, like again, I've studied quite a few um, attempts at com- you know, communal kinds of living, and they often break down because of people's sinfulness, their pride. Like, I don't want to like you know like who's gonna clean the toilets, like that kind of stuff. Like you know, uh, it takes a tremendous amount of humility. You know, one being willing to. Everybody has to buy into this kind of "I'm willing to serve everyone else," and that's not a natural phenomenon. That's got to be a spirit-infused humility that I'm willing to sacrifice um, my self-pride for the service of others, um, and that's how it works. um, Because once self creeps in, (laughs) that's when divisions start. Self. It, it's this um, spirit-empowered um, sacrificing of oneself for the sake of the larger community. Um, well, it's important to know this is what they did. Yep. There was no biblical command that they do it. This is how they responded to the gospel. This is what I think the command is. To the response is to serve, like right? you know. And they're interpreting at this moment the response to serve is to completely give of themselves to serve one another. Yeah. So, but the command is, you know, to res- part of the respond to the gospel is to serve Christ by serving by serving the church. That's what it's meant to be part of the community. That to be part of the community of believers means to give up something of yourself um and that's the command that we see um in in scripture you know you know christ's command like make yourself least <laughs> um you know uh this kind of service leadership that gets instilled and in like don't lead on basis of personal prerogative lead on the basis of that's your job. Your job is to serve one another, love one another as Christ loved you, and they're interpreting that command at this moment to to live this way. Um, but you're you're right. We you know in chapter five, you know we're gonna see that you know we're this is you know we've got people holding stuff back, like you know it's it's and the point isn't that. This is the sustainable model that we're to follow. The point is, this is the response to the gospel that we should have, that we're willing to, hearing the, the gospel means that we're gonna sacrifice something of ourselves in service to the community of believers. Um, that, again, it's, God doesn't make Lone Ranger Christians. God calls us to be part of this fellowship um, that's devoted to um, the well-being of one another, and to the apostles' teaching, um, and to prayer, and the ministry of the table, you know, these are the kind of things that are going to focus on. Um, all right, we need to end, but we'll, we're will we going to start with this next week, because um, chapter three, thankfully, is shorter, so I was kind of hoping we could do more on the fellowship of the believers um, in the, the kind of wake of, of chapter three with some of the... Um, apostolic healing that we see in the early church so let's pray gracious God we thank you for your mighty works uh, in our lives um, through the work of this spirit that has united us to the work of Christ on our behalf and we uh, rejoice in the resurrected uh, Jesus Christ the one who sits at your right hand that he is there um, leading us Uh, Even now, he's the head of our church, um, but he's also the one who is taking um, our feeble words and presenting them as uh, priceless jewels uh, before you, Um, taking our uh, our feebleness and presenting it in a perfected fashion. And we look forward um, to uh, his coming again. That these last days that we've entered into um, in your the, the creation and, and coming of your church uh, will come to an end in judgment. And we look forward to that judgment not because we stand, can stand on that day, but because he has stood in our place and taken upon um, himself the curse that should fall on us. Um, so give us thankful hearts. Uh, hearts willing to be like Christ who gave of himself uh, out of love for us. And that's how we're uh, called to love one another uh, sacrificially and being willing to give of our very selves. Uh, help us to do that as a community of believers now as we gather together to, uh, to around this table to fellowship around the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and the life that comes from his resurrected body. So we devote ourselves to prayer and the needs of the body. And as we devote ourselves together to the worship of our living God, we pray these things through Christ by the power of your spirit. Amen.